This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me for a very special mini-sode talking about Ice Cream Man Volume 8, the one and only Ice Cream Man himself, Nick White. Hey. I, I'm sorry to put that on you, but at this point, you have to be Ricardus. I have to be... Caleb. Well, the other guy's name. I have to be Caleb. Yes, thank you so much. So, you know, Nick, uh-huh. I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this episode. W. Maxwell Prince is back again with Martin Morazzo, Chris O'Halloran, good old Neon. If you're this far in the series... What are you doing? I mean, like, if this is your first Ice Cream Man episode, like, probably pause, probably go back and listen (laughs) to all the previous ones, read the previous volumes. Um, But I guess, you know, I'm going to say right at the top here, full spoilers for Ice Cream Man Volume 8, full spoilers Mm -hmm. for all of Ice Cream Man so far that is out in trade editions. Um, A little bit of content warning. There is some drug abuse in this episode. There is some talk about self-harm. But Ice Cream Man is kind of not scared to go over some of those rougher topics. So, again, eight volumes in, this is kind of par for the course in some ways but nick i gotta ask you how are you feeling about this volume this far in the series i know you've been reading in single issues but as this one volume of like four and a half issues um what are your thoughts overall yeah i i think for me this volume sort of much like some of the more recent last two or three volumes we've had um is more about just sort of exploring as vague as this is uh as a blanket statement, just exploring the breadth of human experience and <laughs> yeah. less concerned with um, ongoing plot lines with either Caleb or Rick or Ricardus or Ice Cream Man or any of his other aliases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and not only is there not that much of a through line, but also um, there's just not much of either of these characters uh, at all this might be and i probably said this last uh, episode as well this might be the least that we've seen rick ricardus ice cream man any iteration um it might be the least that we've actually seen him um and so it's just more of a kind of meditative um volume on on different just aspects of as i said human experience which which yeah. is fine i mean i I think this is the best volume of the series yet. Honestly, I think issue 29, we'll get into it, um, is probably one of the best issues that I've read of this series so far. Um, And that's saying a lot because I think we've had some incredible issues in this series so far. Um, And I, I, but issue 29 was amazing. So like I was feeling pretty like, I had a pretty high bar for the rest of the volume after I finished that first issue in this volume. And uh, overall, it did not disappoint. And I I think to your point about, you know, lore and everything that's going on, I think you and I are maybe begging more than anybody else just to like say, hey, continue that storyline a little bit for us. And we've gotten sprinkles here and there, but it's become less and less. Uh, I think I see what you did there with sprinkles (laughs) and ice cream. That's good. Uh, I will argue, though, I think that this volume does actually feature Ice Cream Man in kind of very tertiary roles um, more than the previous volume or two, Mm. Um, if only because his actual visage is in this compared to like different representations of him, right? Like we've seen representations of Ice Cream Man in different people, but in this one, we actually see him in the full getup a couple times, which I think is interesting. We've, We've talked in the past about this ebb and flow of like Ice Cream Man becoming this this force on the world and then slowly just permeating himself into everything. And now I'm wondering if him showing up more and more is him having to push his will back on the people more, because I think what I've noticed from this volume and from the previous volume is that some of the people are pushing back in ways that are not necessarily saying, damn you ice cream, man, I'm going to fight you back. But instead it's like their will and in pushing back against the awful things that are happening to them are the same way that you would, if it wasn't some supernatural force. Um, But again, we'll get into that. I think in the last issue of this volume, but overall this is, this is best so far. And um, I I know that there's more issues after this and I'm, I'm almost on the train of like, okay, I think I need to read this month to month. I might have to start doing that. So um, yeah. Yeah, good stuff so far. But Nick, do you want to just dive into issue 29 and get things started? Yeah, sure. We can do that. Um, Yeah, let's go for it. So broadly, issue 29 is called Living Will. And like all issues, or I should say most issues, because this volume goes and breaks this rule, um, the sort of uh, tagline on the introductory page is, what are you leaving behind? Mm-hmm. And and broadly, this issue deals with a guy named Corey, who is mourning the death of his friend Will, 
uh, and he goes to the bar um, to sort of cope with losing Will. And at the same time, um, we're sort of given two different pathways, right? One is following Corey, I believe, after the funeral. And the other is Ice Cream Man basically um, being the officiant for Will's um, service, sort of giving a eulogy, some prepared remarks. He goes over um, a couple different things, including like he says it's a list of sorries, the things that Will wanted to apologize for. He goes through and lists all of the things that Will wants to distribute as per his will, basically knickknacks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, Corey gets drawn into this um, universe Right, the, um, quote, room for improvement, which I thought was a right, fun play on words. A fun words. little pun. Yeah, he gets dragged into this room for improvement, which ends up taking him to this sort of carnival um, amusement park called, I believe, Willville. Yeah, um, yeah. And ends up getting dragged into all these rides and, and carnival games and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and that's just, like, the very broad overview. Um, yeah. Um, this is an interesting uh, issue because I, I like that it's his name is William M. Parson, right? The par- missing Parsons thing has kind of been a an ongoing shtick in this series since we mm-hmm. got the TV episode, right? Way back in one of the earlier volumes. Um, and there's a lot of just like little Ice Cream Man lore just sprinkled throughout this. And I, I think you and I have talked about this to death of like, is this... like meaningful are all of these references supposed to be like some big conglomeration of ideas of like the pervasiveness of this ice cream man character on the universe or is this w maxwell prince and martin morazzo just saying like look like hey look at all of our cool stuff we can make it all work just 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 write ice cream man on everything or or just put hole on everything and like meanwhile we're like what does it mean right i mean it's like the little girl in this issue is playing with pinky ring like a pinky ring action figure you know Mm -hmm. we've seen that character come up a couple times Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, the character's name is Parson. The, the, the stack of DVDs that Will has is like an Ice Cream Man DVD, a season two of Missing Parsons. Um, like all of these little tiny references to Ice Cream Man kind of all over the place. And like you said, ICM just kind of written anywhere that Morazzo can fit letters into things, which I still find very, very funny to this day. Um, and at this point, I'm hoping that he's doing that for fans like us who just want to pick and, and you know pry at every little thing that he possibly can in this book. Because there are plenty of places where Morazzo has just drawn scribbles and then other places where he's drawn symbols and he's drawn Ice Cream Man or he's drawn other things that are clearly like references to other things in the story um so i don't know i I find this to be just really funny and this whole issue being like a a living will like ice cream man is reading off the will of this guy will is is very funny because the whole thing plays with these ideas of like hey we have these two cats named misery and and woe and i'm going to bequeath them to you and if my wife and my daughter don't want (laughs) misery and woe then i'll give them to my parents and it's like morazzo is clearly or yeah uh prince is clearly playing with the these words in ways that are like metaphorical in and and very funny at the same time to me right because in in death right we experience or when when someone dies you know the living experience like all of these different things and the, the fact that someone could pass that on to you is almost like dark and funny at the same time to me yeah and on some level i think it also gets at i know there's certainly been like exploration recently of like science wise, the idea of like inheriting certain, I don't know, they've like talked about like, you know, inheriting anxiety or inheriting other um, yeah. sort of emotions or um, psychological whatnot from, from genetically. Right. Mm-hmm, I, mean, mm-hmm. I mean, again, I've, I've just heard this discussed broadly. I'm not about to try to delve into the science of things like that, but sure. the idea of, you know, in, much like is discussed with the squid, right? The idea of inheriting this level of anxiety, um, mm-hmm. the idea that mm-hmm. it, it has to, it has to go to someone, right? Yeah. God. And, and uh, yeah, there, there's, there's, it, it, the issue sort of gets at this idea that we not only have to, there's not only sort of a, a transfer of, of physical objects um, but there's also just this obligatory transfer of 
emotions mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. And, and both positive and negative you know he he uh obviously a lot of this issue i, I think you could call positive or maybe more optimistic uh he will certainly in a lot of parts of this issue he hopes or he wishes for things to be better or go better um than they did in his life or that these objects um will serve people better than they did him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that that bit that you're talking about you know with the squid i think was probably the most like slap in the face like do you get this dummy moment for me um and you know you people could probably interpret this differently but i definitely took that as like you know the passing of a person if only because i've experienced this myself of like someone you know passing Mm -hmm. it definitely leaves you with a a a feeling in your gut that it's very hard to grasp And, and the fact that it's kind of manifested here as this i had this anxiety this squid wrapped around my heart and now the ice cream man passes it on to this guy, a friend, not necessarily family, like you were saying before, but just someone who's experiencing this grief and loss. And now this squid is theirs because of that. And it's not anybody's fault. It's not like someone did this to them intentionally. It's almost like ice cream man's interference with this thing caused that to happen, which kind of starts to focus on this centralized theme that I'm feeling for this volume um, that I want to talk about at the end of the volume more because I think it Mm. really grabs things perfectly. But yeah, I think this was again, this is a killer issue because I think it really took the idea of how someone processes grief and loss and shows it to you as the reader in a way that is strangely ice cream man and strange like very very well done in a comic book form um so obviously marazzo is is to be credited here for being able to depict all this but i think again this this creative team is fantastic in the way that they portray these kind of abstract concepts of how we handle grief and loss and remembering someone and experiencing or memories about a person you know like i i took you know his friend going through willville as Mm -hmm. like that thing that you 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 have happened when you go to someone's funeral and you kind of find out things about their life that maybe you didn't necessarily know. And it's it's fascinating to see how that's they de- depicted that here rather than, you know, his buddy just talking to friends and family. Um, so, yeah, pretty yeah. good issue. Yeah, um, it's it's a lot. It's 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 a it's a heavy issue right out of the gate. And I think that's probably good because some of the other ones in this volume are equally weighty and yeah. so uh um i i think the one moment that just really hit me that just really surprised me is um when ice cream man pulls out the squid mm-hmm. and he says something to the effect of oh do you have anything to add mr squid or something like this <laughs> and like i was waiting for at that point like the squid to say something either malevolent or something sort of snide or or glib Mm -hmm. Um, because like maybe you think of the squid in some ways as like this antagonist, right. As this sort of like evildoer, but the squid says, you know, to everyone everywhere, I'm sorry if you're hurting. And it's like, whoa, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh gosh, like it's, it's not like this malevolent thing as much as it's just part and parcel, just part of life. Yeah. It's, it's weird because it's the squid is had affected this guy, you know, Will for so long, but the squid had their squid had necess- doesn't necessarily have ill intent. The squid just is. Um, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of like the I don't know, almost too real moment for me in this. Um, in yeah. a good way, in a good way, like that. You know, the your your depression and anxiety and all these different things that may affect you aren't necessarily like out to get you right there is no like villain just like you know wrinkling their hands trying or writhing their hands trying to like say ah we're gonna fucking get him this time it's like no it's just a thing that is happening existing yeah exactly exactly Mm -hmm. um yeah man i like i said this i think this is my favorite issue this is probably one of the best issues i've read of ice cream man and that is saying a lot because we've had some really really good ones so um, yeah yeah i i think the one other thing i would just quick throw out there i think maybe this is interesting maybe it's not maybe it was a deliberate choice i would love to know we we know that will is relatively young i think we see at the end of his obituary that he's maybe like upper 30s lower 40s somewhere in there yeah yeah and we don't find out or maybe this is the moment where i realize i wasn't observant enough we don't find out how he died or why he died and Maybe that doesn't matter. I don't mm-hmm. know. But it's interesting because for me, 
I don't remember seeing that come up. No, I don't think so either. And I thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah, totally. So. Well, let's uh, let's jump into issue thirty um, here. This is my favorite. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is my favorite. I will say before we dive right into it, though, I liked the cover of this. I thought this was going to be we were going to get some more lore in this just because we had like the white mouse and the black mouse on the cover going through the maze. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a, a man can only wish because this issue was about something very, very different. Yeah. Um. So yeah, issue thirty is called experimental storytelling. The tagline for this is what's the best medicine. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be like an inference to the idea that laughter is the best medicine, because I don't really think of anything in this issue as being comedy centric. So maybe they're trying to go for something else. And the kaleidoscope image is pills and syringes. Mm. Um, So this volume has to do with a um, trial, uh, a, a, They call it a a two-week inpatient medication trial. Um, It's being run by Holt Industries, a.k.a. Ice Cream Man's Corporation. And uh, also, I'd like to point out that the building for Holt Industries has this new minimalist logo that we've been seeing recently for Ice Cream Man, which Mm -hmm. is this downward-pointing green triangle um, that, of course, looks something like an ice cream cone. Yeah. Um, We'll get into this more later. I think I've discussed sort of the geometry symbolism in this series before, and it kind of comes to a head more, but that'll be in a little here. Yeah. Um, So this follows two people, uh, patient number one, Kenneth Malloy, patient number two, Malhar Naik, Mm -hmm. I think, or Naik. Um, They're in this uh, medication trial. Uh, the, the trial involves them getting increased dosages of a psychogenic capsulated form of the planet, the planet, the plant, Lilium Ricardus. Again, please note the name, mm-hmm. um, which is also known as the Nepalese rainbow flower. Now, don't quote me on this. I think this plant was the plant that was growing at the top of the mountain from the yes. etymologist what is it? The etymologist unravels or whatever it is. We'll get into that more because boy, howdy does that, does that book keep popping up in this volume? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, they're in this trial and right away, you notice that something sinister is going on because as you would think with a trial, you would assume, well, one person must be getting the placebo, right? Do you think one person's getting the placebo? One person's getting the drug. Uh, this drug is called, I think, Neuromaze, I believe. And what's you notice things are terrible right away because you find out the doctor, Charles Benjamin, has a meeting before the trial begins with Kenneth. And he tells Kenneth, you're getting the placebo. <laughs> but we know this isn't true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no. So, throughout the volume, Ken at least seems pretty relaxed, pretty chill. He just sits around. He watches TV. He's like, oh, you guys got to fix the TV. It's broken. All I'm seeing are these world weird swirly color images that look like the little rainbow loading icon on, on the Mac operating system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I see what's going on there. And... um it sort of just kind of kicks off that way. But as things go on, we learn that it's not that Ken is getting a placebo. Ken is actually getting double the dosage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the other patient. And so while the other patient kind of goes through seeing some scary stuff, because it's a psychogenic drug, at some point he sort of makes peace with that in a weird way um, or like sort of embraces it. Kind of the idea that, like, I don't know. I think there's something there that he he's expecting it to happen, right? And it does happen, and he's prepared for it, and he accepts it. And maybe there's something to be said about that. Versus Ken, who doesn't think anything is happening to him. He doesn't think he's getting the drug. When he starts to see things, he sort of fights back against it. He's in denial. He doesn't believe it's happening. 
His reaction is more paranoid or defiant, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And of course, the the doctor really doesn't do much to alleviate that. And things just get worse and worse and worse. We see that in his log entries for taking the drug, he starts spelling his name wrong. He says the date is like October 35th. <laughs> yeah. Clearly things are getting bad. And uh, that's sort of like the first part of the issue. But then the second part is this idea of sort of layers within layers and this question of what is the real experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the actual experiment? Because we find out that there's a, a further layer on the experiment, which is that they're actually experimenting on the doctor running mm-hmm. the experiment, right? We find out he's actually being given the drug by his wife, right? Right. Which is, which is a whole a whole like twist that, in my opinion, I saw kind of coming right when his assistant first brought in the lobster bisque. I was like, all right, we know that lobsters are evil, <laughs> right? And also, like, what is this weird scene? Like, why are we cutting to their house? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and then we see the lobsters, and I will say, holy smoke, Morazzo draws lobsters these these weird ice cream man specific lobsters. Like I don't know if he's trying to go for some sort of real lobster or not, but the lobsters he draws in this series are bonkers, and they creep me the hell out. They're like the type of creepy crawly crustaceans that I do not ever want to see in my life, even at a zoo or something. Like I will stand ten feet away, like horseshoe crabs. I don't ever want to see a horseshoe crab yeah. flipped over. Stay away from me. It's fine. They deserve to be in the ocean. I'll stay out of the ocean if they stay in the ocean, you know? Yeah, the, in the, craw- the creepy crawlies that he's drawn in this are just, they're just a lot in this issue. I just <laughs> had to throw that out there. Uh, yeah, uh, including that weird monster that both both of the patients end up seeing, which is right. like, it's like a spider, but right. its torso looks like it's made up of worms. I, I wonder, so my thought was, this is, like an extracted drug of this rainbow flower that we saw way back in the entomologist episode, right? Or issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this like the true form of Ricardus, right? That's mm. that's kind of my thought because we know that he's been associated with spiders. We've seen him in creepy crawly form before, not like this. I wonder if this is his like true form that we're actually getting to see. And it's weird to see that like, the the one patient accepts it and it's just like okay this is my best friend i'm just going to acknowledge it and then he yeah. ends up being the doctor at the end who's doing yeah. the testing meanwhile the other guy you know doesn't accept it and it's like this torturous moment where like it explodes into a giant little alien style like xenomorph style baby like tentacle monster thing so yeah. um it's a it's a bizarre bizarre looking thing but i again that was my thought is this the true ricardus it's got the black eyes it's got his face shape kind yes. of it's got the hair um so i don't know that was my thought that's interesting i never really thought about that but yeah there's definitely a real spider motif which i think even goes all the way back to if we if we follow Ricardus and Caleb all the way back to their what is it their home planet I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. Um, I think that there was like that big showdown with their dad or whatever yeah. and Ricardus becomes a spider or there is a spider there's yeah. a big spider yeah somehow yeah. but of course this issue gets even twistier because you find out that the wife is actually part of an overarching experiment on top of that. On top of that, yeah. And the assistant and the um, patient number two, patient number two turns out to actually be the doctor, as you said, Mm -hmm. and the assistant and patient number two are actually running an experiment on the wife. Right. Yeah, this this clued in phrase of how does that make you feel that you have to ask three times. They call um, it the what the like emergent operant question or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, uh, it, it's a really interesting. I mean, it kind of gives this idea of like the experimenters become the experimentees and so on and so forth in like this endless loop or this seemingly endless spiral of like, there's always a layer above of people being tested on. Um, And the fact that the patient number two was in the first set of trials, who's testing the wife is kind of like this, where does this web of, of trial and and experimentation end? 
um i don't know but that's that's kind of like where where this this issue left me with which again this this issue in particular gave me very strong twilight zone vibes in -hmm. terms of like there is this open-ended the end question mark of like we don't know how far this rabbit hole goes um and i like that i like that that's what you know, ice cream man can give us sometimes. Um, cause I think this isn't the first issue that's felt like that. But again, I, I like that this has kind of come up again and it's, it's showing off things that we've already seen, like these rainbow flowers in a new form, but then adding this, uh, kind of fun little story, um, to, to tell more about it. Yeah. And I think what I found kind of interesting for me is that with a lot of ice cream man issues, I've sort of broadly been able to drop them into one of two buckets or i guess a third bucket if you combine the two mm-hmm. but it's basically like ice cream and issues that are largely involving you know rick ricardus caleb um and you know the nefarious things that he does and then the other bucket which is just issues that aren't really about them but more broadly explore the the human condition you know the fact that life can be great or life can be terrible and that life can be this way without the interference of any of these um, outside uh, entities. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, this issue is kind of weirdly, it doesn't feel like an um, it's like a Rick or a Caleb issue, but it also, I don't know if there's sort of like a, like a moral or a lesson or much of an exploration of things beyond just like uh, I, I don't know if the lesson would be like don't don't trust big pharma. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah. beyond that, it really is just sort of like as you as you put it, it's like a Twilight Zone thing where it's just sort of like um it it's it's a thing and it happens and it's kind of creepy and you could just have a tagline of you know this could happen to you or whatever <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and it's like uh, th- i mean that's that's fucking cool yeah but i think we we get one of these types of issues every once in a while and i think you and i are always thrown by it but i think this is just more of a a a purveyance of like or more examples of like Rick and Ice Cream Man kind of having this influence on different things, kind oh, of almost sure. s- setting up foundation for probably future references where Neuromaze is being used. And I think even in this volume, we yes. know that Neuromaze is being used. So I yes. think before we get into that, let's jump into chapter 31, aka issue 31, um, and talk about that before we get to the the final ap- issue of the, the volume. Yeah, absolutely. Uh do you want to talk about uh yeah i guess kick off? I, I can go into it so so this issue issue number 31 is called a scale in parentheses sort of a poem and it introduces uh it, it's kind of told in two pieces right the first half being uh a man who has a daughter her name is uh her name is blossom and he kind of talks about how beautiful everything is growing up with this new girl and his wife and the smell of of milk and the smell of baby powder just kind of being these pleasant things that has made his life enriched right he's a he's a writer that is working on this book called the entomologist um ascends uh which i think is like you said nick a reference back to the issue that we've already read about this guy climbing the mountain who eventually finds uh this rainbow flower uh that i do want to fo- point out he he's an uh, he's the etymologist oh excuse then. me etymologist not this entomologist part of that whole pun of that issue yeah yeah, yeah. we just want to be sure yeah, yeah. Uh, and his name no is warren, warren williamson um so yeah we we kind of follow this very pleasant story of them of this girl growing up until it seems like this marriage between warren and his wife falls apart and his daughter's kind of trapped in the middle um and as the story goes on we see her grow up further and further as this guy continues to try to write his book and starts to become more and more like isolated in himself um, until we get to this moment where the two of them are having lunch. She's a full grown adult. He's an older man. And the perspective switches from her to him or fr- from him to her, where she starts talking about how her dad looks old. And we talk, we follow her life as she experiences some very um, harsh things, such as a man, you know, getting eaten by a shark or someone jumping <laughs> off a building. Um, she talks about trying to date and we almost see like a parallel because in the previous bit of the story her dad was trying to date and it didn't seem to necessarily work for him and it doesn't seem to be working for her um by the end of this issue you know she she goes to see her dad read this book realizes yeah he's kind of old but i'm happy for him he's made it in life his book is very popular um and when he passes at the end of this issue it's kind of like cathartic 
And this is like one of those rare like, oh, maybe this issue was kind of nice things that we see so rarely um, in Ice Cream Man. Um, I don't know. I I liked that this introduced this new book into the series, right? Like we now have like documentation of an event that we saw. Um, And I think there's plenty of callbacks in this issue as we explore just like two regular people in Ice Cream Man. Um, Like specifically, I started to make a list of all the different callbacks. But Nick, I guess what were your thoughts on this issue before I just go into a big list? I mean, look, you're completely right. This issue is full. It's just chock full and just dense mm-hmm. with um, all sorts of references. And I, I do want to hit at sort of the the big point that I really appreciated or found interesting is, is we know Maxwell, W. Maxwell Prince, is really interested in sort of having overarching structures or lists or patterns that he wants to follow up on mm-hmm. much like um we saw a couple of years ago when there was like the advent calendar yeah um yeah. issue and we had okay so on this day you get this out of the advent calendar on this day you get this out of the advent calendar sort of he likes these little overarching structures and with this issue um i really like that the structure is that the issue is kind of as you said, it's a it's a perspective shift that quite literally happens right at the middle of the issue. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it's like page like 16 out of 32. And they're sitting in that diner together and we get the shot of him. And then we literally just flip to the other side of the booth. We flip to the other side of the booth mm-hmm. and we get the shot of her. And with that shot, she takes over the captions. The captions take on a different color. I think his were blue. I think hers were purple. Yeah. Um, and the issue goes from um, him watching her grow up from a child to an adult to her watching him go from an adult to a senior citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's there's sort of like a beautiful symmetry to that, especially when we talk about, you know, in some ways the similarities between, you know, senior citizens and, and newborns in terms of. Um, you know, their core needs and and the things that they, you know, need help with or don't need help with or, you know, the sort of things you you, you know, require as as a baby or, or a senior citizen. And so I think that symmetry is is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Beyond that, yes, I, I think, again, we have an issue that's largely, I think, yeah, largely Ice Cream Man free. We, we see Rick once show up <laughs> yeah. as one of Blossom's suitors, and I believe she remarks something to the extent that he... Um, either couldn't stop talking about or wanted to introduce her to his spider. Um, so that went bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. And 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 with the um, there's also some interesting other parallels. Um, we sort of see at one point that he ends up trying to take care of a, of a of a of a fish, a goldfish, a singular goldfish. Um, when when she goes off to college. Uh, but it dies and he says you know quote it's hard to keep things alive when you live alone although never alone and then he gets a text from his daughter immediately following mm-hmm. and she i think it's immediately after she you know discusses dating and it not going well she goes home and she has an aquarium full of fish and she says you know quote keeping things alive is easy when there's no one around to distract you um, mm-hmm. a life without friction unhooked from any one thing and just like Rick followed that by, you know, he, not Rick, just by, what is it, Warren? Mm-hmm. Is it, um, you know, follows that statement by getting a text from his daughter, you know, that he, that she loves him while she's at college. Um, after she says this, she gets a text, you know, that her dad is in the hospital. So there's kind of an interesting parallel structure there. Yeah. Yeah. And it also kind of brings back a, a bigger point, And I don't know what this means. Maybe I'm just, you know, the human brain wants to make patterns, right? And certainly with this book, this is more true. Um, But what is this volume's fucking obsession with aquatic life, okay? Yeah, yeah. Look, we have the squid in the issue with Will. Mm -hmm. We have the lobsters in the the, um, medical testing. In this issue, we have the goldfish, we have the aquarium, and we have the shark. Yeah. I don't know if this means that, like, Martin Morazzo isn't, you know, going to a red lobster anytime soon or what? Maybe he's just not <laughs> had a bad experience at Long John Silver's right, once. Right, but right. um but there's just this issue is just full of 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 aquatic life. I don't know what that's about. Um, but it's a thing. 
and and you know there's more right they go they go fishing after after the parents get divorced and mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. gets to spend his time with his daughter and 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 um and they go fishing and i think later when she goes to college he ends up going fishing by himself and yeah, he like yeah. can't catch anything and of course the overall symbolism of this issue is you know this idea of like quote you know the hooks in our hearts the ones that first pulled us together they've dislodged as from the mouth of a wriggling fish. So again, like a lot of uh, fish symbolism here. Right. Is it is it bad that I just now realized that the guy who dies, who gets eaten by a shark, his name is Worm? Uh, yeah, yeah, that is kind of <laughs> bad that you just figured that out. I just out. figured that out uh, right now, Nick. You know, I never said that I was paying attention while reading this. I was just, I spent the entire volume just trying to find references to things. I wasn't actually paying attention to the story or the cleverness gotcha. or anything. Yeah, I, I, I wrote here in my notes, uh, uh, let's see, while in grad school, she goes to a beachside party and her friend Worm gets eaten by a shark. The idea that a worm is used as bait to attract fish is pretty well known, but Worm isn't typically a human being. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's it, I don't know. So this this issue, like you said, though, is full of, of of references, right? Like, and I I was trying to like piece together a timeline in my head, roughly of based on memory, right? Like, I haven't read all these mm-hmm. books very recently, but you know, like the when 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 Blossom is working in the in the the skyscraper, oh, that guy jumps, right? We're that's, on the same page. That's here. from very very early in the yeah. series. So I'm trying to figure out where the pervasiveness of ICM starts in this like world um because at that time there is just a little symbol on one of her cubicles that has the little ice cream man with like the winking eye with the the cross and the v underneath it like that's like a very old look that we saw in this series so the fact that we're seeing it as kind of like a callback through time is interesting to say like that this this story has persisted throughout like the timeline of ice cream man and i think you and i have maybe even wondered how much do these things intersect? Do they play out accordingly? Like, does is there a big timeline in mind? This, to me, kind of establishes that, especially mm-hmm. with the, like, you know, if we think about the the rocking all the time guy, right? Like, because yeah. that's in this issue, which I thought <laughs> was is. very funny. It um, is, right. And, uh, uh, I, oh, yeah. And and I think, like, there's there's a lot to, to ask. Like, he started this book when she was a baby, Right. So when did that etymologist story actually happen? Or is the issue that we read the result of this book, you know, in, you know, if we're trying to map out the timeline here. So I I thought that was really interesting, just how everything started to come together. Um, Like the snapping as a thing, you know, because that was a thing for a little while for Ice Cream Man. I don't know. Uh, It's 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 really, really questions. I got a lot of questions about this, Nick. Um, yeah, no, so, that's I mean, I, totally. When the guy jumps off the, the 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 roof of the building, I was like, this has got to be from like issue six or seven yeah, when yeah. he he basically makes that whole corporate building go mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be. It's got to yeah. be. Agreed. And um, the yeah, one, the one last thing I will say about this issue um, is that there's a panel of warren in the in the boxing ring with like a man who has a clock for a head and he says time the heavyweight champion of the world keeps winning the fight i want that like printed out and put on my wall just because it looks so cool the idea of like a boxing time person (laughs) is so cool to me um i don't know if that's a reference to like a fight an actual fight that happened or something because it looks like it's framed in a way that is like iconic from something historical but um i really really like that panel but Otherwise, this issue was fantastic. I really, really liked just the 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 beat and the the pacing of it. Um, the constant vertical lines and vertical panels in this issue was really cool. Um, and I'm sc- scrolling through it now, and it is all vertical panels, which I think is really cool. This could be oh, a webtoon, Nick. Maybe we should stop reading comics and just read webtoons. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot to note. There's also the toy shark and the toy lobster that she has in the bath. I think when she's uh... no way. Yep. I oh yeah. the other thing and I was going to child call out there was a clown in the emergency room. I think that's a reference to haha. Yeah, maybe? I think it is. So, yeah. I don't know. There's also plenty of references to art brute in this volume as well that I, I yes. called out in a couple different places in my notes. Um these guys are just non-stop referencing their own stuff and all I'm saying is if you guys are listening, we're reading it all. Just just FYI. Um and we're we're catching it. You can't get anything by us is all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> probably getting a couple things by us. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know. <laughs> Anyways, let's let's move on to the next issue. Unless you had any final any final thoughts on that one, Nick. 
No, no, no. I, I think that pretty much covers it. Okay. Well, let's get into the weird thing that happened with this volume, right? So <laughs> um, Nick and I were talking before we started recording, and I said, yeah, there's a prelude to chapter 32 that I read as part of 32, which is why I said it was four and a half issues in this volume. And Nick was like, what are you talking about? Because you've been reading this in single issues, and I've been reading it in trade. And after a little bit of research, you found out that the prelude here, that's like an eight-page little story called The Semiotics for Missing Persons, actually showed up in what the image 30th anniversary special that they did yeah image is doing that um like a whole year you know 12 issues of like uh anthology series. oh the and image it, exclamation point magazine mm, that they yes, put out gotcha exactly and apparently this was in the third issue okay. of that and it was collected for the trade. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I actually own that somewhere. It's on my shelf somewhere, specifically because I knew there was an Ice Cream Man story in it. And you know what? This is proof I uh, I didn't read it. So, <laughs> um, But there until today, I did, I did read it for this episode. Like, this is kind of like a bizarre thing about... It kind of asked the question, like, is an image a real thing? Or maybe I missed the point of this thing. You're smarter than me, Nick. Tell me. Tell me what happened well, in this issue. Well, that would be... <laughs> watch as we have a bunch of academics completely lose their goddamn minds like yeah. it's been a while since i've studied this but sure it's this is like semiotics has to do with the whole idea of like the sign and the signifier the idea that like you look at something you know and it's the sign you know but what is it you know what does it signify like what does it represent mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so like that's kind of what it's exploring is, is semiotics which i think is a Oh boy, the academics are going to get mad about this too, but I'm pretty sure that's a, a thing that F Foucault extensively got into. Sure. Um, sorry, sophomore seminar uh, instructor. I don't really remember all of it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, well, the, this issue is interesting because it does it does kind of just go through various panels talking yeah. about like... Well, it's that whole pipe thing, right? Like, this is not a pipe. This is an image of a pipe, right? Right. Like, right. That's part of that whole mess. And, and of course, so. which I found to be the final, the final issue of this. You know, we're kind of following different things, talking about the idea of of reference reference with the R E F E R E N T S. Um, it says reference presents themselves, yes. but images betray them. Um, and I think like it gets into this idea of like, is a photo of a person an actual representation of who that person is because it's just another image of them? They are not actually that image, um, which I understand from a human being with with object <laughs> permanence, you know, in my head ability. But I feel like there's a stronger philosophical debate to be had there. And maybe that's oh, why yeah. there's some people out there who just don't like their photos taken because it steals a part of their soul. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. This issue it, it kind of builds up this idea, this idea of this guy named Doug, um, who is clearly I think it's portrayed that he's an alcoholic and uh, he maybe needs a little bit of help and he's totally out and lost somewhere in the world, which leads us into the next issue. Um, but Nick, I, I'll let you speak to the end of this and we can jump right into the next one once you're once you're good and set. Yeah. Um, sort of like the the end of the prologue. And yeah, I don't know if you had any last thoughts. Sorry. Um. I, I I think the prologue is sort of, I mean, it's tricky, right? It's like an eight-page story. I think it stands by itself somewhat, but also I would probably say that, gosh, if I was just reading image by itself, image exclamation point, I would probably not really know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. I think, it's, I think it's great that it ended up in that anthology and maybe it brought some attention to the series, but mm -hmm. I... I don't think it really, you know, stood alone that well. I mean, it's literally a prelude, right? So Yeah, it's interesting because, like, clearly this is them, like, flexing on, look at the kind of crazy shit that we can do over at Image, you know? Oh, absolutely. With, with an established creative team like Maxwell Prince, W. Maxwell Prince and Martin Morazzo, like, working together with Chris O'Halloran and Good Old Neon, like, they're saying, like, look at what we can do with our book. And this, in my mind, is a very strange story to have read in an anthology, but I would also go, Completely. holy crap, this guy, Marazzo, knows what the hell he's doing on paper. Like, I, I it's love... It's a visual showcase, it, to be sure. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's definitely showing off what they can do, especially that last page, I think, is a really, really cool example of, like, what Marazzo can do, and obviously, Maxwell Prince is kind of letting Marazzo flex a little bit in this issue, which I appreciate. And there's a big yeah. image symbol at the end, which I thought was funny, too. But uh, 
Anyways, this this leads us into issue 32 of the volume called Recovery, and it is about recovery. It's about a man who goes to uh, a rehab clinic um, that is a has a very strange set of rules mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or steps mm-hmm. to their rehabilitation. Um, overall, though, I thought this was pretty positive. I don't know, Nick. Do you have a do you have a quick summary that you could give for this one before we jump into it? Yeah, I I think. This issue largely follows uh, this guy. I believe his name is Doug. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Doug. And Doug uh, is in rehab because he has a drug addiction. Um, And again, we talk about how much um, W. Maxwell Prince likes lists. He likes outlines. He likes structure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, This issue, same sort of thing. Um, This place... Um, the Cassandra Rehabilitation and Detox Center um, has a quote-unquote patent-pending 28-day 12 Mighty Steps Towards Sobriety program. Um, these steps are um, admit with humility that you have a problem. Understand that there are powers greater than you. Uh, three, give yourself over to the process. Four, make a moral inventory. Lists are good. Five, look yourself in the mirror and speak the real truth. Uh, six, stand in the morning sun and find the warm hand of God on your cheek. Seven, commune with the dead. Eight, relapse. Sure. Nine, admit with humility that you have and always will have a problem. Uh, Ten, try to make amends for all the good it will do. Eleven, start a new hobby. Uh, And twelve, build a wall around your mind and never, ever look over. Um... And of course, we follow him through this, these 28 days, um, sort of skipping between different days as I think he's sort of journaling the process um, and kind of following him uh, through these steps. And right. yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, there's a there's a good amount of callbacks in this issue. Um, I think it's also a, a pretty relentlessly again as someone who's not familiar with any of this you know um myself but you know just outside looking in it seems like a pretty honest um look at addiction and addiction recovery yeah and the success and struggles that that come with that yeah i you know i think for all of the poking fun and kind of grotesque twists and dark turns that ice cream man takes i do appreciate that you know prince and Morazzo and, and the rest of the group they really despite the the goofiness right because i think like that first page stop using and start living with this big opening for this pamphlet has this really huge block of small text <laughs> about like the the caveats and you know things that you may experience during the recovery process but at no point do they try, I think, to make fun of the recovery process in general, right? They take their own dark, twisted turn with it to some extent, right? To say, like, you're going to experience hallucinations and you're going to feel all these bad feelings and all this other weird stuff's going to happen to you. But at the end of the day, it, there's actually like an honesty to it. Like one of the last lines on this page is, may we all get better eventually, or may we all find solace in the fact that we may never get better, all of us forever, which is bleak, but also like, honest at the same time i found um i don't know because i I realized like after you read this issue you realize oh doug went through all the steps you know doug does get out of rehab with the hopes that he is recovered now the end of this is very ominous because i think we've seen a very similar moment in a previous issue of ice cream man but Mm -hmm. i do like that despite all the darkness and the weirdness right we see the neuromaze come back with the monster the big big monster or if it's ricardus himself kind of show up um, and these are like following the steps that Morazzo, or excuse me, Prince tells us we're going to go through. We're going to see all of these things. They're going to go to a dark place. We're going to relapse. We're going to do all these things. But I also think, you know, dotted throughout this whole story is the actual, an actual tale of someone dealing with addiction. You know, this quote unquote shadow self that Doug ends up seeing that he caused, calls a different person, but then later um, admits that it's actually himself, the person who found drugs and he relapsed because of it. You know, like these are all things things that I think we've seen time and time again in many other stories of addiction where like the only person that's actually making these choices is you. No one is forcing you to do these drugs other than yourself. Now, that may be because of an addiction and a a, a psychological need to do these things. But nonetheless, you are making the choice to put the drugs into your body. Um, And it is about like 
accepting the fact that that is the truth and then coming to terms with it, um, whatever that may mean for you. So I don't know. There, there is like a weird positive spin coming out of this issue um, that your recovery is possible for people. Even if we do see someone leave and come back because they relapsed, that doesn't mean that her story is over, right? Like I think when that happens in the story, Doug sees it as like, Hey, it's okay. We all slip. We will all eventually get back up. Um, which again, coming from ice cream, man, I'm not expecting this type of like strange positivity about things, but I do appreciate that Prince and, and the rest of the creators tried to take this and make sure to say like, we're not going to say that addiction is like some horrible thing caused by some alien monster. It is a human condition. It just so happens that you may see ice cream man style monsters when you're dealing with this, you know, um, recovery process. Yeah. I, I think that, um, W Maxwell Prince isn't afraid to embrace the idea of optimism or positivity, but I think it's a very, it's not saccharine. It's not rose tinted glasses. It's not going to be exaggerated, right? Yeah. Um, they mentioned something to the extent that, because I, I think even even Doug's daughter, when she comes to visit him for one of the family days, um, said that she'd been doing research, and she says, you know, only five to ten percent of people who go through this uh, don't come back. But she says, like. But you, you, you could be part of that five to ten percent. Mm-hmm. That might be you, and isn't that enough? Yeah, uh, to keep trying. I mean, and so Doug, it's funny though because I think in like the next page, Doug turns that around and goes ninety to ninety-five percent of the people come back. You know, <laughs> right? Which, of course, is that's the way. You know, that's the negative way to look at it. You know, which I, I found to be like a, a fun twist on that. Yeah. So it's um, I I, I think. Maybe it's not so much that this book is, you know, being positive as much as it's just trying to represent reality, and that is the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, you can, as as we just basically demonstrated, like you can look at that positively, you can look at that negatively. Um, you know, glass half full, glass half empty, or in this case, glass ninety five percent full, glass, you know, you know. 5% empty or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a but, really, uh, I don't know. Again, this issue is, is kind of a, it's a fun play inside of the ice cream man universe um, where, where this guy kind of says, you know, at the end, he's like, I finished the last page because he's reading the entomologist book. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. Of um, course. He, he stumbles upon this book in the library of this recovery center. And, and that's the book he wants to read. And it's like, Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but he reads it and like he has this almost renewed sense of hope of like, maybe when I leave, I'll get a library card, which is one of those things that I think is is unsaid in this issue. But I've heard that, you know, the path towards acceptance and the path towards like looking forward with like slightly an optimistic view is when you're getting out of a depression or whatever is like making plans to do things that are like either enriching or just like things that will make you happy. Um, and I, you know, we see that here. It's it's not necessarily like laid out on paper, but that's kind of how I took it of him saying, maybe I'll renew my library card when I get out of here is him looking at, I'm going, I'm hoping that I will be able to recover. I will be able to go out and do this thing and read more books in the future because I enjoyed this one thing. Um, and then of course he ends up leaving <laughs> and uh, he ends up getting in a taxi, but um, I don't know if there's more <laughs> you want to talk about before we get to that last bit. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the most interesting part in this issue for me, as someone who, I mean, I like a lot of what's in this book and what this book addresses, but I do like when it comes back and sort of goes back and addresses that through line of of Caleb and Rick. And we have a moment in this uh, issue Mm -hmm. where Doug goes to um, have a kind of a meeting with the facilities, you know, therapist basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And clearly the the therapist is Caleb. It's it's a hundred percent Caleb. It's Oh, I mean, really you think so? You look look at the character. I mean, I like can't. go look at the other pictures of Caleb. It's Caleb. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and if you look at the if you look in Caleb's room, and I think I've pointed this out before in relation to Caleb, you can see that there are little 
diamonds on his shelf. There are thick diamonds on the books on his shelf. There are diamond designs on the plant that's on his, uh, uh, there are diamond designs on the vase of the plant that's on his shelf. Nick. Um, there's a big diamond poster on the wall. And it's interesting because if you think of Rick as always being a triangle pointed down, is Caleb the diamond because it's he he represents the whole, mm. right? He's the triangle pointing up and the triangle pointing down combined. Damn. Okay. I'm going crazy here. Okay. This is what's happening. Okay, Nick. Um, I like this. I, you know, I'm looking at pictures of Caleb from a previous volume, and I think I think you're right. This is... Okay. Okay. You've sold me. I thought there was no yeah. ice cream man shit in this. And here we are. I'm totally wrong. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because maybe I was like, well, why is Caleb, if Caleb, why is Caleb the diamond? If Rick is the triangle, because wouldn't it be more simple to just make Caleb the upward pointing triangle? Right. Right. Um, but a, maybe that's too simple. And B, maybe it's just not as starkly visual mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. it's the idea that with Caleb, things are things have a balance or things are complete yeah and with rick there isn't that balance yeah so i don't know i think that's kind of interesting i think there's something there i definitely i bet if we go back and we look at the diamond motif versus the triangle i think you might see more of that okay um I also love that Caleb's got some of those Escher drawings in his office. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is also basically what the cover image of the issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just made me laugh because I remember um, in high school, my uh, high school, you know, counselor slash, you know, he did all of the the college prep stuff, right? You'd have to go meet with him and, you know, have a meeting about, you know, are you prepared for college and do you have all your letters of recommendation and everything? And so I went and met with him and it was just funny because his office was just full of Escher shit. You know, (laughs) the the one with the guy, you know, the guy sitting in the chair looking at the globe, you know, the orb um, and the the one of all the stairs and everything. So I, I, I don't know if there's like a rule that when you get a psychology degree, it like comes with an Escher print that you have to go <laughs> hang in your office yes. because uh, uh, it just feels like it's the the unspoken rule of um, of having a, a counseling or psychology degree. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 amazing. I did not, you know, I'm just swiping through those pages now, and I see in the background of one of the pa- one of the pictures is a man in yeah. a cowboy hat, and it says heel. So you're 100 percent right. This is Caleb. I can't believe it's I Caleb. missed it. Um, yeah, and of course, so this issue ends, you know, with with Doug getting out. You know, he comes back to himself, and he says to this taxi driver, you know, he says, "Where do you want to go?" And the guy says, "Home." And if you look at the taxi cab on that in the middle panel of that page, it says QC six. Right, which is a direct reference to qua- or the, the 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 comics that they did over quarantine, the quarantine comics number six, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the issue where this guy gets in a taxi and like goes to the moon. Um, so yeah, I I you know yeah. it's funny because the, all the other times we saw the taxi, it had a phone number on it, and this is the one time it said QC six. So I have to imagine that that is intentional. Um, you're not yeah. going to get one past me this time, Martin Morazzo. I don't care what you do. Uh, (laughs) I'm only going to miss the Caleb references. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it, it makes you wonder as well. I was just thinking about this. Like, is he the taxi driver for Doug or is he the taxi driver for everybody leaving the place? Yeah. That's that's kind of, well, I mean, the one woman does come back. So I imagine that it's maybe not, I think this, in this specific instance, it's ice cream man getting this guy, Doug. Um, so that that would be my thought. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of the volume. I had some kind of like questions and thoughts. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to go over before we wrap up here. Um, In terms of this issue, I, uh, you know, uh, again, I, I think this issue has some interesting parallels to the will issue just in terms of trying to tackle a hefty um weighty topic Mm -hmm. and um not really exploring ice cream man as a malevolent force or really not having ice cream man as a force at all for the most part Mm -hmm. but just sort of like 
uh, th- this is this is a, a part of life. It's an uncomfortable part of life. It's a part of life that a lot of people um, don't want to deal with, don't want to discuss. But this is Ice Cream Man, and we are going to hit on all those things. Yeah. So it's just a just sort of a you know a, a contemplation across thirty two pages or 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 whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you you nailed the the, the hammer. Nailed the nail. I hit the nail right in the head. I guess that's what I'm trying there's to say. There's a nail. There's a hammer. Yeah. There's a board. Yeah, you found it. Happening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but that that exactly was the point that I was I was getting at at the beginning of the episode. Right? Is like this book is exploring real life things, and I think like the thought about that that people can have will to kind of push Ice Cream Man out of their system. That's kind of what I took away from this issue. Kind of what I took away from this volume is that despite Ice Cream Man's prevalence now. You know, like he has the ability to inflict pain and like mental pain on you. But at the end of the day, people still have will to try to survive that um, and try to push that away. Um, and I think this is kind of an example of like given a little bit of time in the right like situation, folks like Doug can get past their addiction, but also past Ice Cream Man's influence. Because a lot of that I feel like is is kind of synonymous in some ways, or at least they're re- they're partially related. I know that kind of goes against what I said earlier, but um like ice cream man is clearly a piece of this. Um, and the fact that you can push away something as, as daunting as drug addiction, I think the idea might be that you can also push away like the influence that ice cream man is having on you. Um, but we don't know what happens to Doug after he gets in that taxi. So he does say, I guess we'll see how the math plays out. And that's the end of the volume. Well, it's also kind of, uh, disturbing if you think about, um, if, if you believe maybe to some extent that ice cream man, is um sort of playing a part in Doug's addiction um which I mean I I I I could go back and forth on that um if you believe that um and you also believe that Neuromaze the drug by Holt Industries is being used to treat it uh then you sort of have an interesting situation where uh Ice Cream Man is sort of providing both the the symptom and the cure at the same time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, pretty fucky. Yeah. But but I, I, I really don't, I think really don't think that Ice Cream Man is part of the drug addiction. I think that Agreed. is just like the human condition. And Ice Cream Man is using anything, right. any way he can to be a part of people's trauma, right? And be invested, like somehow have some sort of influence over people who are uh, in rougher mental spaces. Um, yeah. I just looked at him in the taxi at the end as sort of like a, like, I mean, not a great place to be, right? Yeah. Not a great place to be. It's, it's, and sort of like, it, oh, maybe you will be back here. Yeah. Ooh. I, I saw it as like, now you're back in my world. You were you were in Caleb's world for a second and he fixed you. Uh, now you're back in my world. That's that's kind of how I took it. Right. And I think that's sort of like, I mean, that's obviously what it's got to be like. Again, as speaking as someone who is not deeply, you know, not, not familiar with, you know, recovery centers and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. the addiction process, obviously. I've said that already, but um, the idea that you're in this weird, secluded, um, isolated space where you adhere to these specific special rules that exist only to this place, right? And then you leave, and now it's like, well, that as you said, like, now you're in the real world, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. this is not some secluded house in the woods, and you follow our 14 special rules, mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever. Now you're you're living a day-to-day existence in in the real world and that's you know that's enough of a challenge in its own right ice cream man not included yeah yeah um yeah no it's it's, it's gonna be interesting i'm excited to read more like you like i said i think i might have to switch over to issues now because i realize how much i miss this series every time i pick it up and i think maybe i have to get on that single issue bandwagon but um yeah, this is a solid volume, though. Like I said, 29, I think, might be one of the best issues that I've read of this series. Um, like this volume a, a ton. Um, I couldn't tell if there, there was a lot of winking in this volume. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, a lot of emphasis on eyes. Yeah, a lot of, too. Yeah, like a lot especially of. Especially in the issue with the daughter and the father. Yes. There's just a lot of eye shots. And this is a weird thing. I'm glad you brought this up. Maybe this is a crazy connection, and I don't know where to pull from this. I think the father the daughter have this exact weird, like almost reddish, yellowish, mm-hmm. goldish eye color mm-hmm. that Caleb also has. Uh, 
I don't know what to do with that. Mm. Maybe that's just a weird. Could be a coincidence, but I, I follow what you're saying. Because I was yeah. I was wondering where all of the winking and the eye shots came from. I couldn't remember if that was a thing in Ice Cream Man or if it was in Art Brute. Because I know that like the winking face was a thing in Art Brute. Um, but again, it, are all of these goddamn books with these two people working together, are they all tied together? I don't know. Um, like, because we know that Haha ha has a little bit of a tie-in. Does Art Brute well, have a tie-in? literally has a... Um, yeah, the last issue of Haha, ha, I think it involves... Is it a clown that falls off the roof? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of... Oh God! It's that. It's the. It's the issue where the ambulance is driving around the town, yes. and the town is just going mad. Yeah, and the clown falls off the roof, or someone has a gun and shoots the clown. I don't. Regardless, I. I the yeah. ambulance issue yeah. is what ties to haha, and I thought like. Mm-hmm. So I'm just mm-hmm. wondering. Maybe the the winking had something to do with that. Maybe there was some sort of art brute influence, but who knows? Um. Either way. I really like this volume. I again, we we're always having a good time here on the Ice Cream Man podcast. So uh, I don't know, Nick. Any any final thoughts before I wrap up here? I I think the only thing I would add is if you've made it this far and like Mike, you are considering switching to singles. Um, as someone who is a couple issues ahead, um, you know, I'm pleased to say that things only get even better from here, and. <laughs> If you're someone who is looking for more appearances of Rick and kind of Rick's ongoing back and forth with Caleb, um, buckle in because I think I think you're going to see some more. Um, I say that as someone who who is a couple issues ahead. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's those, exciting. Those themes will resurface. Yeah. We'll definitely be talking about it when we do volume nine, probably later this year. Um, so I guess to wrap things up, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We've got our Discord, which has been popping recently. So if you're not on Discord, where are you? Uh, we've got our Goodreads group, which is growing strong. We're over a thousand members. We've got our YouTube channel, um, Twitch channel. If you're in- in- interested in that, we do some live episodes every once in a while. Uh, you can always support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. They'd access to a better Batmobile, giant days of our lives, Mike's X-Men blind box, which we're doing again. Uh, it's it's a whole bunch of like almost 100 episodes of just Patreon content there. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander, sleep soundly knowing that you're okay. I want to say thank you to Nick for doing this episode. Thank you to everyone out there for listening. If you're reading Ice Cream Man, let us know. Send us an email just to say hi. Tell us what your favorite ice cream flavor is. And until next time, comics are good and so are you. Okay.